Hi, everyone. It's Melinda Garvey with the See It To Be It podcast. This week, we have another great interview with an incredible role model. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the See It To Be It podcast. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey, the founder of On The Dot, whose mission is to lead women to success by hearing about and experiencing the stories of incredible role models. And this week, like every other week, I have the great privilege of bringing you yet another amazing role model. Today, we have Nita Jawaid, and she is the founder of the Nita Jawaid Life Coaching, and she is a certified life coach. So I know that probably everybody's thinking, oh boy, this is going to be good because we can all use some coaching during this crazy time of the COVID-19 pandemic. So welcome, Nita. Really happy to have you on the show. Happy to be here. Thank you. So before we get started and dive in, I'd love for you to just kind of go way back. What was your big dream when you were growing up? What did you think you were going to be and what did your path look like? Well, when I was growing up, I always idealized my dad. I loved how he always dressed in a suit. I loved how he carried a briefcase with him. And it was just a perfect image, you know? So growing up, I idealized my dad and I knew that I wanted to be working in an office, have glass walls because I loved it when I went in his office and I was able to look out through that wall. I know we all have windows, but it was a wall. And I would love seeing the gardens underneath from his floor and how the people walked and all that imagery set a status in my mind where I wanted to see myself achieve. So thriving was one of those things I knew that I wanted to have and do in my life. I pursued business for that reason because I wanted to be in the business field and I wanted to work with a lot of people because I am a people person. (laughs) I (laughs) feed on energy, positive energy of positive people. So I loved growing up with the environment I was provided and with the teachers and everything else. Slowly, I knew that I wanted to be in business and I ended up studying management. But somewhere along the line, I got an anthropology And then that got me curious about humanity and cultures. And then once I started learning cultures, I got more curious about the mind. And I got into psychology. And as I grew up and I started getting familiar with all these fields, I found that somehow naturally I'm an empathetic person who's drawn to people that need that comfort. And it wasn't up till later that I discovered what my feeling or the purpose I was seeking was called. It wasn't until I heard someone ask me after they saw me in an action, have you ever considered being a life coach? And it was just a light bulb. (laughs) (laughs) So growing up, I wanted to be in business. And here I am as an adult helping people live their best life. Interesting. So tell me, what is your definition of a life coach? I mean, I've heard it kind of described as so many different things, but what do you really think is at the core of being a life coach? So I believe life coaches, more than healers, they are guiders. They are a guide to help you resolve issues and roadblocks that you are just stuck on. For me personally, you're absolutely right. There are different definitions 
And each coach, I believe, goes by their own definition, how they represent. When it comes to my services, I always tell my clients to start with self-awareness. This is what I teach. Yes, life coaches are a guide, but they are also a teacher. To get you connected with your inner self, who you are, first of all, your strengths, what are you super good at? Because I have found many people focus on their weaknesses and set themselves up for failure, give up on opportunities because they're predicting not being successful in that particular path. And and they struggle to identify their strengths. So as a life coach, my main purpose is to connect people with themselves, make them aware of their capabilities and abilities that they master. Everyone is skilled in different forms and ways. And once people identify what they can work with flawlessly, and that is part of themselves, then we address the roadblocks they're having issue at. Because believe me, the solution and answer to every question any individual has lies within. You can only come out of your issue when you realize where is the problem that you can resolve. Well, and I would imagine, you know, that discussions with your clients have probably changed and morphed these last few months during COVID-19. I think that even people who can kind of consider themselves on track and strong and confident, you know, in a normal setting have been shaken a little bit, you know, and there's some kind of sort of trauma associated with what we're all going through. So how have you particularly kind of customized and helped your clients, you know, through some of these things? And like, what advice might you give our listeners, you know, if they're struggling during this time? You're absolutely right. Thanks to COVID-19, there is a lot of obstacles that people have found themselves in that they were not initially ready for. So if I give you an example of a couple, parents, couple, they work different schedules, right? So during the day, they know in the evening, we come together, we're having dinner. Thanks to our quarantine and lockdown, couples end up finding themselves together during the hour they're not familiar with. How they need to adjust each other's schedule, time frame, or even conflicts because they know how the rest of the day looks, but what happens during the daytime? Because it's an unfamiliar territory. During that period of time, I found a lot of couples clashed. And when I say clashed, it meant that, of course, they found out that there are different criterias each couple is dealing with. There were challenges they discovered that were present in the marriage, but either were being ignored or were being looked over because they were dealing just fine when it came to later part of the day. That portion brought a lot of couples in light where they identified, okay, my patience is running thin. I thought I love this person, but this habit in particular is annoying me. So all of that discovery about another person led to clashes. And when I worked with couples, most of them said, I never knew I felt this way about him or about her. Of course, at that time, you have to balance where exactly is the frustration coming from? Is it something you ignored for a very long time? Or is it something that he or she is portraying because of the current frustration and change of our lifestyle, which was pretty much immediate? Sure. We all had to learn on time's moment. You know, there was no warning. We knew COVID is there, but the change was immediate. 
it was rapid. And so that's just one example. Others, there are a lot of individuals that came about. Um, there were a lot of people with pre-existing mental conditions and those that are already struggling with prior issues in their life, including feeling sense of isolation. And imagine being put in quarantine when you're already feeling isolated. Right. And it drew some people to believe, you know, that it's traumatic to say, but suicide is an option. And I found that the cases I was dealing with, which were light-hearted issues, became more and more severe. And I ended up working with few people that were suicidal. And one of them said, you are my last hope because I have tried different services. They did not work. Someone recommended you. I'm coming to you. Let's see what you can do for me. But I'm glad to report I started working in June with this person and we're still working together and she is thriving and she is living and she has great ambitions and dreams, you know, reconfirming her belief on her abilities and time. So that's good news. No, that is good news. I guess twisting this around to you a little bit, I can only imagine that the pressure that that must feel like, you know, I think that certainly as a life coach or any kind of a therapist, you know, sort of that being able to disconnect a little bit from your person that you're coaching, obviously is a skill you have to develop. But my goodness, I mean, taking on this level of pressure, you know, must have had some side effects for you as well. Of course, uh, with quarantine, regardless of the profession you present, for me being a life coach, everything had to shift, whether it be at personal level and professional level. So yes, of course, there are so many stories. I'll tell you, every time I hear a client, you know, interesting their story and sharing with me, I'm thinking, I thought I heard everything, but look at this. It has personally made me very grateful. Mm. And I feel very grateful that I have a good amount of number of people who are trusting their life with me and taking me as a guide. So for me, yes, I have to become numb with the fact that I cannot put myself in their story because I am a guide. I'm a teacher. A doctor will have to get used to seeing blood before he operates, right? He or she, because Otherwise, it will be difficult to have yourself attached to the patient. You have to cut open and fix something internally. For me, it's the same thing. I actually go in people's mind, their thoughts and direct their negative thought processes in positive direction. I literally have a process called thought mapping. And that indicates and gives me an idea of where my client is coming from and what is their objective? Where do they see themselves in life? And many times clients are not able to clearly identify that, but they know what they want. And I help them find that ground, that goal that has somehow gotten lost in all that life is throwing at them. Right. Yeah. So yes, I have to become numb to emotions. I cannot put myself in those stories. That's not something I can do that will be healthy for me or my clients. What's some advice that, you know, you have for keeping a positive mindset, you know, when, when you're stuck, when so many of us are stuck, kind of your go-to things with clients. I know everything's individualized, but certainly there are probably some methods that you use. Of course. And yes, you're right. Each and every client, I have to cater to their specific needs. But yes, there is something that I tell everyone, whether client or not, that especially during this time, 
focus on how far you have come along. Number one thing that people tend to focus on is how far I have yet to go. This is where I'm stuck. I cannot achieve this because of this thing coming in the way. For now, for a lot of people, it's COVID. A lot of dreams are on hold. A lot of communication is on hold. A lot of progress is on hold. And I tell people and clients that you have dealt with much worse. You have dealt with grief of a loved one passing. You have dealt with a lot of obstacles, failing of a course, going through struggle of finishing your courses or schooling, whether it be a financial challenge through family, personal challenge, developmental challenge, leadership challenge. You have dealt with a lot and look at where you are right now. You are, as a human being, an adaptive person. You have taken corrective measure to get over and make something and push through the hardest times life could have put you through. You are here because you are strong. So don't forget that. Right now, it seems like things are out of your control, but you are the one who will push through this. You cannot control it. Yes, we have to go with the guidelines we are provided, but you know you have the power and the strength to listen and do what you believe is right for your safety. And when the time is light, when you can push through and it is easy for you to think about the alternatives to get on the other side, you will be able to do it because you have practiced patience then and you know exactly how to practice this patience again. Reminds me of God give me the strength to accept the things I cannot change. Exactly. Absolutely. That's exactly the way to put it, of course. Because yeah. as human, we don't have control over everything. We wish we did, but mm-mm. Yes, and I definitely think that obviously always makes things harder. And I think especially, you know, here in the United States, you see so many people just rebelling against the simplicity of just wearing a mask. And I, it's a head scratcher to me. Did you grow up in the States or did you grow up? Yes, all- I grew up here in Chicago, actually. Oh, Okay. It doesn't seem like other countries are having the kind of challenges we are. So I think it's an interesting concept that somehow Americans don't want to grasp that, right? They want to be able to change everything and control everything. And, you know, I think it makes things really hard on everybody else, too. You know, we're not sort of a collective being. Actually, I think individually, there is a sense, I believe at certain level, each one of us fears the sense of loss. And that loss comes from possibility of whether it be, you know, I'm covering my face and I can't, you know, however that goes. It's a loss of control, number one. That's how I see it. There's fear associated with it. This is fear um, as far as paranoia goes. Of course, I wear a mask when I go in public because I fear for my health and I care for other person as well. Likewise, it might be a different mindset for someone who is choosing not to. Of course, there could be a medical condition. We cannot take that lightly, but it's not true for everyone. And there can be personal opinions and factors and beliefs that everyone carries. With that, yes, other countries are having a great time healing. I know New Zealand, all the news that comes out from there, that's one country I follow. And I have been for a pretty long time now. It is also because being a woman and how she is handling everything was such great. She's the woman. I love her. My husband is from New Zealand. And so we keep in very close contact with what's happening there. And we're all very jealous because they're all 
you know, back out at restaurants and they're hugging and, you know, they had a few months and then they're done. It is very interesting, you know, how different that is. I mean, obviously much smaller country, but even as a microcosm, it's just really interesting how very differently their mindset was and how everybody just said, okay, and this is their leadership was so strong and it was just the way it was and people accepted how much further ahead they are. So yeah. And I believe like initially, if you were to ask me my personal opinion, I was like, if everyone, and that's the thought that I have, because yes, when we were all collectively in quarantine and around March and April, at least in my city, there was a controlled number. It seemed to have gone down. And then of course, then there was this uh, flattening the curve rumor that yes, we're achieving it. And I think we possibly gave up soon. And it is hard to get people to do the same thing again when they have discovered how hard it was the first time around. Yep. And I think that's where the issue lies. Very true. As we kind of get to a close here, I would love to talk a little bit about your webinar, What the Perfect Woman? And I love the name of that. And I'm dying to know what a perfect woman is. <laughs> Because obviously we, you know, on the dot, we focus on just women and just finding those incredible role models. So what are some things women can do that you talk about in your webinar to lift their self and just really succeed? Actually, the whole purpose of what is a perfect woman is to have a discussion that each one of us is very unique, really. And I feel that she is so priceless and precious, but she's the one who needs to believe that. There is a lot that goes and surrounds her when it comes to her beauty standards, when it comes to how she needs to present herself, whether it be on social media, magazine, or in person. There is always someone forming an opinion about an individual person, whether it be coming from her family or her circle or wide variety of areas that she represents in as a career woman. And I find as I work with women that Everyone is stressing to fit in regardless of the background she's coming from. She wants to be accepted, validated, and appreciated right. because I find women struggling to fit in someone else's definition and exhausting themselves trying to meet an expectation, not realizing how capable I am really. Mm -hmm. Because of course, when you try so hard to meet an expectation, you end up failing because you can only give from what you have. And she needs to acknowledge that I am so much more than somebody's expectation or a definition. I'm a lover. I dress this way because I appreciate myself. It's a choice. Everything we do is a choice. But it changes when someone else tells us to be someone. For instance, I work with young girls. I will say 18, right? With magazines, social media, Instagram, there is one girl more prettier than others. But a regular girl looking at those pictures who does not have the same privileges as the one in the picture, she develops low self-esteem. She's looking at her skin in the mirror and looking at the picture on the screen that has so many filters on it. That concept of beauty that we have created it's taking all women, not just young ones, away from reality in a sense. I accept who I am, how I look, because of course there's a lot of filtration. You will be surprised that there is an addiction with that. In women, they have four or five filters on one picture. There was a whole research that few of the girls that I know did, 
And what they did was they took the original photo and then they took the photo they found of a person. And this is within their circle that they were doing this. The filtered photo they found of their friend or a family member from their circle on social media. And some of them were drastic changes. And all of that is adding to self-esteem. What does that lead to? Body shaming. Believe it or not, you can't tell right now, but I am a tall person. And I have gone through judgment when it came to my height as well. And that, as a young girl, harmed me a little bit because I always felt I was different than someone else. And of course, I changed myself, my perspective, and gradually I started accepting who I am. I started dressing like I felt it was great and empowering to me. For Mm -hmm. me personally, that idea of beauty, you know, I started off in different industries. I was a recruiter for models for a very short period of time, and I worked in the hospital and so on and so forth. So with the environment I have presented in and the people I was with, there was always this presentation that you need to have your hair in a certain way. You need to walk a certain way. You had to fit in to what is acceptable and presentable and that your first impression is so important, which it is. But I've discovered that people were forming impressions because of what their expectations were from you at that moment or with those that they encounter. So first impression was not so much what I was giving, but more so what they were expecting. And I did not like that so much. Is that because, and I mean, our listeners can't see right now, I'm looking at you over video, but you're wearing a hijab, a very beautiful one, by the way. And was that part of people's judgment or expectation at the time? Yes. So in a sense, this is very recent change because I knew over the period of time I was getting frustrated trying to meet beauty standards and to be a person that is being judged for my height, my beauty. If I was a very relaxed person as a professional, that was something. I know we have to present ourselves like in a profession in a certain way and everything. But I think I was just simply getting frustrated because I was tired of being a doll. If you see me in my own full bloom, (laughs) that's what it was. People were more attracted to how I looked. And I felt my image or who they were seeing came in the way of them actually discovering who I was as a person and how smart I was. Every time I went for an award or every time I went in a gathering, people would compliment, oh my gosh, love your hair, love your shoes. Where did you get your dress from? And oh, you look amazing. These are amazing compliments and people love them. Women love them. But personally for me, I thought this was coming in the way of my achievements, what I present, how I heal, how I work. So for me, Just taking that power away, I felt I needed people to know who I am, how I represent, what are my achievements, what is more specifically my mind than just an appearance. I am so much more than an appearance. Every single woman is. So we do not need to be body shamed or complimented depending on how we look. So wearing a hijab was my way of taking that power away from people and directing them to my mind instead of just stopping at my looks. Know me more. 
So this was my motive, actually. No, that's very powerful, though. It's very interesting. That change, very, very interesting. Well, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate you, you know, sharing that so candidly and just talking about, you know, what everyone is going through right now. I think it's so timely and relevant and just some of the tips you gave. I really, really appreciate you sharing with us today. And if our listeners are looking to find you to maybe reach out, maybe get some life coaching, can you tell us where they can find you? Of course, nidajavid.com, which is N-I-D-A Nida, J-A-W-E-D.com is great website that will direct you to me exactly. But for webinar, visit her next chapter. That is H-E-R-N-E-X-X chapter.com. And what is a perfect woman is a webinar you need to sign up for. It's free. I will suggest that for all of your listeners and join in the conversation. You may discover something you have not thought of before and discover how you are just perfect in your uniqueness. We are different and that's what makes us perfect really. And that's the objective of this webinar per se. So I look forward to having everyone there. Yes, absolutely. Well, well, thank you. And thank you for sharing that with everyone and sharing it for free for women. So that's a wonderful thing you've done. I really appreciate you being with us today. It's been a real pleasure and we will be watching to see what you do next. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the See It To Be It podcast. For more female empowerment, inspiration, and advice, subscribe to our free weekly newsletter featuring a new woman to watch each week. And check out over a thousand more featured women at onthedotwoman.com. Know someone we need to feature? Reach out at onthedotwoman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.